Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. Joining us today for a cup of coffee to talk about the season three premiere of The Mandalorian. That's right, The Mandalorian is back, and we are very, very excited to break it down with all of you. Thank you for joining us for a cup of coffee. We've got two of our friends here with us enjoying the coffee and refilling whenever we need them because this is the kind of guys that they are. First, we're going to bring in the co-creator of Coffee with Kenobi, the award-winning designer, Mr. Corey Club. Well, hello. I'm glad to be here. It's exciting to talk Mandalorian once again. I'm excited. I mean, how could I not have the start of Mando <laughs> without you, the number one Mando fan? That's right. I, I redecorated my back room of my office. Uh, I've got the I Mando helmet and all the posters and everything up there. And uh, I'm in. I'm in the season for the Mando. I'm ready to go. This season, I honestly half believe that when you signed on, say that you were going to be wearing the helmet. I sort of expected <laughs> it. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought yeah. about it. The audio would be a little tricky. Now, also joining us, uh, he is no stranger to the world of coffee with Kenobi or podcasting. The host of the wonderful Colby Cast, the charismatic Colby Mead. Colby, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm so excited to be here, not only to talk about The Mandalorian, but to be with the number one Mandalorian fan, Corey Club. <laughs> I can't, I'm beside myself. I'm so excited. Can't wait to get to it. It's There's true. I don't know us. if he set up a mirror or what, but he's literally beside himself. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> All right, let's, let's do what we've been doing. It's working out really well. We're going to give one word mm. to describe the episode and overall reactions to it. Uh, Corey, let's start with you, and, and maybe before you even do that, just for fun, uh, share your excitement level for this season. Oh, thanks. Yeah, this I can't wait. Uh, just coming off of you know the interlude we had with Boba Fett, um, kind of the the continuation of that story. Um, it, coming into this new season, it's almost kind of like anything's up for grabs. You know, we don't know much about this, and we're really kind of dipping in. To more of the lore, I think, of, of Mando. I know when we originally saw him in season one, it was like, who is this guy? What's his background? What's going on? He was very mysterious. We got to know his travels and uh, understand his relationship to discovering Grogu and all the adventures there. And so now I feel like really framing up uh, a season really focused on his his heritage and his, his past. So I'm excited to learn more about him, uh, where he came from, uh, and where his next adventures will take the, the crew there. So 
Um, I know for me, uh, my whole family watches this show. We are so excited to be able to jump on every Wednesday and and check it out. And it is like literally like I love how Disney Plus has kind of brought that you know episode of the week or show of the week back. I really feel like that's really television. strong. It is. If it's definitely makes it worth the the wait. It really does. And uh, it's exciting for us to digest you know what happened this episode and what will happen next time, and then you know, think about theories or just like excitement, little things. And so I appreciate Disney plus, you know, doing this and making sure that, you know, it's, it's, you know, a spoonful each week uh, along the way. So uh couldn't be more excited for it. Love it. So give us your uh, one word to describe the, the episode. By the way, it's chapter 17. It's called mm-hmm. the apostate. Yeah, man. What overall thoughts, I guess. Uh, and then I'll see my word. I'm excited to jump back in this world. Um, I, I know it's like, uh, we know kind of, we've seen, you know, Obi-Wan's um, show come out and we saw Boa Fett do his show and, and we kind of know those characters, you know, the kind of like legacy characters, but Mando is really still that, that newer edge. I feel like he's got, I feel like that freshness to him. And so it feels like fresh Star Wars stories we're getting. And this is, we're diving right back into this world of Mando and being all these great characters we met in the last, last season as well. And, uh, it's so much enjoyment to be able to do this. Uh, I just typed out the word here just to think through. Like It's just a – I put down wonderful. And I, and I, it's kind of like excitement and happiness, but also it's wonder. And because we're, I'm wondering what's going to happen next. And it's it's a good it's a good thing. It's a good feeling to have. Um, I, I think overall they're, they're kind of setting – laying the groundwork for what's going to happen too in this episode. Um, exciting to see uh, – the grief carga and how, how he's built up the, the, the world that we originally knew as, as kind of a desolate backwater uh, area and, and, and just growth there. And so we see a lot of growth in these characters uh, through this, this episode. And then of course the adventures as well. So very exciting stuff. I'm excited to, to actually, I can't wait to the next episode. <laughs> yes. Very good. Uh, Colby, what about you? Um, excitement level and then one word for the episode and then your overall thoughts on it. Literally everything Corey just said, just, just <laughs> copy and paste, right click. Um, I felt like Wednesday morning when I actually Tuesday night when I went to bed, uh, I had that Christmas Eve excitement about it, and I and I actually thought back to 2019 when when Disney Plus was about to go live, when Mando was going to basically open the doors of the store, and mm. that morning waking up and not being able to get onto the service because it was crashing. There's so much overload and being able to um, actually get one, that first episode downloaded, you know, to your phone because it allows you to do that and then just keep on trying to get onto the service and then finally having to watch it streaming from my phone onto my TV because I couldn't get it to stream. And that's how mm-hmm. much demand there was. And I, oh, I felt sort of similar to this Wednesday morning when this episode is coming out because this show has really just taken the world by storm it's just pumped life and energy into star Wars, which really, you know, honestly, it had a lot of life and energy before this anyway, but this is just sort of brought it into this new era. This is the flagship Mando and Grogu. This is the flagship of the, of the galaxy. So that was, I was really, really waiting. I did a rewatch of the two seasons and the book of Boba Fett. I did nice. a, I've been doing giveaways on the Colby cast Instagram all month just to, and enjoy the the lead up to it and it's like i i felt like almost 
similar to how I feel when a Star Wars Star Wars movie is coming out, the anticipation level. So this, you know, on Wednesday morning when I started watching it, um, just had all those same similar feelings and was just super excited and it didn't disappoint. Uh, the word I'm going to use is everything because to me, this episode sort of had everything that Mando has, has brought that star Wars has, right? Um, we had monsters, we had this fantastic dog fight in space. Uh, can I say it? Can I just say it? Purgles. <laughs> I mean, what? I literally sat up on my couch Loved that little scene with with Grogu. You know, we got the Anzellans right from um, from Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. The music was fantastic. I love the themes that they're introducing already with belief, with you know, forward going forward versus going backwards. All things I'm sure we'll get into. But this episode had all of that. And if you compare it to the other the other first episodes of the other seasons, it's on the shorter end, but it still managed to accomplish so mm -hmm. much. And as soon as it ended, I had that very familiar phrase in my mind. Is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> Where's the next? I need another episode here. So mission accomplished. The, the, the Mando people have brought their game, their A game again. And I can't wait for the next couple months. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. My, uh, my buildup is, I'll, I'll just sum it up for you in a, in a quick little story. Uh, like I'll just us. give it to you in a number. It's four. Last night, uh, I went to bed because Mason and I do our Mando mornings. We wake up super early. <laughs> I get everything ready so that he and I can watch it and then jump in the car and go to school. That That's always been the way. You know, I don't see these in advance. Um, I don't want it to be spoiled. So I wake up ridiculously early to watch it. <laughs> so last night, I went to bed at 830 which is pretty, pretty great, actually. When oh. Kids, when you're younger, going to bed at 830 seems lame. When you're an adult with children, it's like paradise. Yes. Really? really. Uh, you'll see someday. So I woke up <laughs> at 12.15, forced myself to go back to sleep. 1.30, forced myself to go back to sleep. 3 o'clock, forced myself to go back to sleep. And then 4.40, and then I just got up. Uh, I literally, <laughs> I, and I had like adrenaline. It happened to me Sunday night, too. I kept waking up thinking about the Darksaber and the Mandalorian. Oh. Because really? like... Like you said, Colby, I mean, all the new Star Wars stuff is fun. It's exciting, and I'm very much on the edge of my seat. But nothing is like Mando, except for the new movies. Like for me, I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. Andor was great, but a different kind of great. And that one I would go back yep. as well over and over again. And because yep. of my day job uh, and being in charge of my curriculum, I have rewatched seasons one and two of The Mandalorian probably five or six times. Mm. And I've done a lot of essay stuff with it. And I've done, I've read a lot of analytical stuff about it from my students and things that I've done. And so I feel really good about the lore and seeing it stretched out and extrapolated upon and, and building upon some great themes. It's just, it's like mother's milk, man. Maybe that's gross. <laughs> I don't mean it to be, I mean, it's good. It nourishes you mind, body, and soul. That's, uh, that's gross too. You know, it's really good. <laughs> I really like it. I really liked it a lot. Uh, and my one word for this is redemptive. Because that's the theme of the episode. Everybody's trying to get redemption. Uh, Grief Karga is. Uh, mm. You know, there's a bar that is now school. He's changed his ways. The Manda one's pretty obvious. Bo-Katan is. IG-11 gets another chance. Yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of great stuff. Grogu doesn't really get another chance of anything except just being insane. Eat more food. 
ridiculously cute and wonderful <laughs> still using the force in ways that we just only dream about uh in our in our most office space of areas so it's great uh let's th this is called the apostate and if you didn't bother to look it up an apostate is a person who renounces a religious or political belief or principle hmm. he is labeled and he was in the book of both that din John was labeled an apostate Again, a person who renounces a religious or political belief or principle. You want to look up similarities or synonyms to an apostate, dissenter, heretic, nonconformist, defector, deserter, and the last one, traitor. Hmm. So that, that's pretty hardcore stuff, right? But I, I don't, well, there's a lot of things we can uh, go with it. To me, this kind of breaks down into a couple of different uh, sections. I think we've got the opening sequence until Din shows up. We've got Din and the armorer talking. We've got Din going to Navarro and talking with Grief Karga. And then we've got post that visit with the pirate scene and at Bo Katan. So I, I think that's how I think it would be fun to sort of break this one down. Just because I think there's key elements in all of that. I don't want to miss anything for this. So Corey, let's start with you. Standout things from the opening scene and sequence. Yeah, I think they did the definite bait and switch. You know, I think we were expecting a lot of um, backstory, Mando, and it kicks it right off. I mean, we right see Armor doing her thing. Um, and did we all think this was Din at first? I did. Yeah, one hundred percent. Me too. Yeah. Except, does that, he didn't his ethnicity didn't look like Pedro Pascal. He didn't look like he was Chilean. I don't remember. Um, so, but but that, other than that, I was like, well, is this him? Did we him? see him in season one as a as a child? Yeah, uh, when uh, the Mandalorian picks him up uh, and out of that little bunker, and they play that guitar music. Yeah, yeah. And they carry him, and then he whisks off. Yeah, that's the thing. I think we're all anticipating as fans, um, waiting for that payoff, right? And they, <laughs> right away, they're like kind of showing us, oh, okay, here we go, you know. And uh, it's it's kind of, I was surprised when they did, you know, that whole scene, which was really, really kind of. On the edge of my seat, I didn't expect that right away. I, uh -huh. I, they're doing that 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 little uh, ritual there, and then the water, and then she kind of says, "Shh." I thought, "Oh, he didn't finish his sentence. Maybe he's not a full Mandalorian." Then, oh, boom! This this giant monster gator comes out of the water, and it, it's, we were just like, "Okay, battle's on." And then then we kind of all realized that, "Oh, Mando comes in and saves the day as N one fighter," and um, it's it just realized, "Oh, this is current times." and I kind of re recounted a little bit. I was like, oh, have we seen the, the, the coven or whatever you call that? It's just like, have we seen them kind of relocate? Because I guess I hadn't thought about that. I thought for re some reason we were on Mandalore back in the day, right? And, and kind of living through that. So definite, I mean, I guess I'm going to ask you guys too. Like, is that good storytelling to do the bait and switch thing where it makes you feel like one way and then all of a sudden the rug's pulled out from underneath you and it's something else? Oh, I think so. You, because prefer, you like that? I love it. Because okay. if you're telling me right away, we know there are a lot of theorists out there and, and you expect mm. things to go one way. So we're going to pull the rug out from under you and keep you on the edge of your seat. Sure. Just when you think you've seen it all, we're going to show you some more stuff. So I love that. Good point. Good point. I agree. It kept me off balance from the, from the beginning, even, even the, the Lucasfilm logo reveal and then the droid mm. helmets and, the, and it wasn't the same. The music was absent and yep. you heard noises like, you know, armor type noise noises. And <laughs> right off the bat, I was, it, I was drawn right in really intrigued. And I had the same similar thoughts to, is this a flashback? Are we mm. seeing 
Uh, maybe you know, I've been watching The Last of Us, so they do a lot of that kind of stuff. So <laughs> yes. I sort of have that in my brain. Like, are, are we getting some backstory here to start off? Uh, so I was immediately off balance, but I was surprised and and I enjoyed it. And then when that big monster, that big alligator turtle thing came out <laughs> of the water, I just thought it was so exciting. And uh. you got you mentioned, you know, Dean, the uh, Den arriving uh, to save the day. It's almost like, you know, it's like a Western where he's riding in on his mm. horse and he's yes. saving this group of people who are literally going to, I just kept on asking myself, why aren't you running? Clearly these flying (laughs) or yeah, fly away. Some of them did, but like, just get it, get out of there. Uh, But yeah, such a, such an interesting way to start the the episode and very exciting. So I, I love the opening. Um, I think it would be sort of funny if, if we ever go back to that planning and that everybody has like new alligator handbags. (laughs) No, I, I think this is uh, I thought about this opening quite a bit. Uh, I, I love the bait and switch. I, I even said, no way, no way. And Mason goes, what? I said, they're building Din Djarin's helmet. Yeah. And like, no, wait, that's blue. <laughs> and then you see the kid and you're like, well, you, I, I thought it was. And then when she when the armor holds her hands up and that uh, that wonderful gator thing jumps out of the water. I think the whole thing uh, is a perfect metaphor. Because all of these children of the watch are standing on the brink of water, which is redemptive in itself mm. and renewal. And yeah. it's very it's a very Christian image, isn't it? Like they're standing in the water. It's like a baptism. I mean, that's I think whether you are Christian or not, that's a baptismal symbol or meaning or yeah. a ritual. And this larger than life creature jumps out of the water wrecking this spiritual ceremony you know din Djarin says um in the second episode the child of season one you know i can't get rid of my weapons they're part of my religion yeah. but then they yep. say we find out later no it's not actually a religion it's a creed well guess what huh. and maybe it's a little bit of both and oh. this this natural predator jumps out of the water and tries to kill all of them and instead of running away or flying away like you both astutely mentioned they stay and they fight it. Their pride That's the gets code, in the way yeah. of these insurmountable obstacles, yep. and they refuse to give up, which is appealing to a degree. But is it the smartest thing to do? I think it's a wonderful mm. metaphor for why the watch doesn't last, because they mm. don't know when to quit. They don't know when to abandon their way of thinking. And I think whether uh, John and Dave meant to do this, that's how I, I took it, and I thought it was really wonderful. And then the little that little whistling noise. All of a sudden, you know, here comes Din on his uh, H1 Starfighter and zipping in there. And I'm like, what a great, understated but powerful entrance! It was just yeah. yep. that's what you want. You know, we've seen him coming yep. through these partitions with a dark saber and fighting those mm. weird butcher things or everything that he has done. But right in like this on this beautiful silver yeah. thing, like like the horse and the Lone Ranger. It was just a masterstroke. So I, I absolutely loved this opening. So I have a quick question. And we're kind of getting into like the next scene, I know. But, you know, we the whole reason for this this journey he's going to go on is to mm-hmm. kind of find, redeem, redeem himself. But here we are in the very first scene that we're in these waters that they're using to christen the next Mandalorian. Why not use those waters to rechristen uh, right? the Right? That's himself? another example that I'm talking about. Like, why does he have to go to great lengths to, it to looks make like that this happen? This is okay because yeah. they're so 
This is why Palpatine didn't like the Jedi because they're dogmatic views. Mm. Like they can't pivot. They can't think of an alternative way to adapt to the world uh, because their old ways ab- abandon them. And Bo-Katan uh, quite adamantly. Yeah. It was great when I got the chance to talk with Katie Sackhoff. She mentioned to one of uh, the other stars podcasts. I think it was Sky Talkers. I'm not entirely sure. But she mentioned um, that she looks at Din Djarin as a nuisance or an irritant. Uh-huh. Those were Katie Sackhoff's words. Uh, because of him getting in the way of her plan. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just really like that. It's how they rub each other the wrong way. Do you, do you just want to jump? Do you want to talk about the opening or do you want to jump into her conversation with Din? Because I think there's a lot of rich stuff there. I Actually, the word when Corey, when you asked that question and Dan, you used it, the word I had in my brain was dogma. They're, they're stuck in their ways. They're rigid yep. in their beliefs. And there's no, like you said, Dan, no pivoting. There's no adjustment. There's no flexibility. They, this is the way it's not, this yep. is one of the ways this is the mm-hmm. way, right. And the way, and I would love to just jump right into the Bo-Katan thing because you referenced the, the, um, the interview that was on the same show as your interview with uh, John Favreau and and Dave Filoni. And some of their answers, I mean, every time I hear those guys speak, I'm just enthralled. <laughs> but he brought up, I think it was Favreau, maybe Filoni. Um, they're almost like two sides of the same brain, right? Don't, yeah. don't you think? Uh-huh. Yes. And, they're, it's, they're, it's and it's a very, together. very genius brain. Uh, but they talked about belief and how Bo Katan... He, she ridicules Din Djarin for the helmet belief, mm-hmm. right? But then at the same time, she's practicing the same belief with the Darksaber, thinking that, oh, I need that Darksaber to lead the people, when all that is is an object. It's just a, yeah. it's just a creed. It's a dogma. And I just find that aspect of the show so fascinating. I can't wait to see more of it. She calls him a fool. Yeah. And then she does the same thing. But the problem... Is that she the what what we are told as an audience is that everyone leaves her because mm. she doesn't have the dark saber and that they all have run off uh, to be mercenaries basically. They're ma- she says forces melted away without the dark saber making their way across the galaxy as mercenaries. So they're both uh, foolish uh, depending on your own point of view, but everyone who is so loyal to her apparently are they only loyal to the symbol of an object so again mm-hmm. this talk this pride stuff was like talk about a hard lesson to learn yeah well i look the- at what it's brought right look at what it's brought it's nothing but division and mm. failure i mean the entire race of Infighting. people yeah just it's just un, not united sorry Corey. i think i stepped on your foot no i was just gonna say like i was gonna say that almost kind of same deal uh the uh, idea of you know one way of living, like said, this is the way, and this is the way we're going to do things in this this coven or this group. But then uh, Bo-Katan has a different uh, different thought of that. Like I'm going to rule without a helmet and do other things and do my way of life. I'm going I'm I'm going to be the quote savior, if you will, uh, and save the rest of the group. You'll see. I'll show you. Kind of thing. Like that, that that boldness that ego gets in the way. Again, you mentioned them fighting the giant monster in the beginning. They all kind of seem to have this like this, this, this nature of they're not going to back down. And I, I got thinking about that a little bit too because the the preview they put in uh, was it the bombing uh, of Mandalore and, and, and destroying of that planet uh, from the Book of Boba Fett, yeah, Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought through like, are they afraid that they can't 
run away or back off to, to fight another day because they, they know they've been de- been defeated, don't want to be defeated again, and that's where that comes into play. Or is there something else? You know, it, it's just it's really interesting to see that. Um, and it's funny. I think in my I've got a bumper sticker or it's on the back of my car. It says "This is the way" from season one. It just has a. And I always think like I'm driving around, people seeing that, they're going, "This guy doesn't know where he's going. He, he he's not the way." You know, and I think like it's just like you have this. It's a fun way to say it, but also it, it means so much more now in season three, doesn't it? Is is uh, from just from this first episode? It's so interesting yeah. that they've utilized that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. It's fun um, and fascinating. Now, I, I don't think they're afraid of losing again. I think they don't okay. know when to quit. Yeah. They don't know when to regroup. Um, if if you guys are okay with that, I want to go back sure. to the beginning. I want to talk about he walks into this little cave area, and uh, here is the armor again, uh, doing her thing. Um, she's like the she's constantly foraging and creating weapons and armor and and leading mm. uh, this group of followers of the way. Apparently, it's, it's very easy to move that giant table. Around. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And that furnace and yes. Or skull on the wall, which I really <laughs> like a lot. But this is what we learn. So uh, she gets mad at him. I mean, it, I, to me, if it's so, it's such a crime that he's taken off his helmet, and uh, to, it's it's like the ultimate disrespect, apparently. But they're not attacking him. They're not trying to, they're not threatening his, you know, his warriorness, so to speak. And he stopped. She says, the worst thing is that you removed it of your own free will. It's not like in combat, somebody ripped off your helmet. I mean, that's like a classic thing going back thousands of years. If you um, defame a warrior, rip off their armor or something like that, it's like the ultimate disrespect. But he did it of his own volition. Now, he's never really gotten a chance to explain that, or maybe he just doesn't bother because he knows it's not going to matter because, again, they're so inflexible in their point of view. But he has this green shard. And if you look inside it, there's like a piece of like a manuscript or like from a tomb or just some sort of writing. Uh, and she says the Mandalorian surface is crystallized by fusion rays. Uh, but then he says, well, it's, I don't think it's poisoned because otherwise where did this come from? A traveler gave it to me. So who's the traveler? We don't mm-hmm. know. We don't know, and I'm not going to speculate, but I think it's interesting. So what he's been asked to do, he has to prove that he's he's going to bathe in the living waters, which are beneath the mines of Mandalore. And by creed, 
uh, the decree of exile, I believe is what it says. Uh, it's going to be lifted, and then he is actually redeemed. Armor thinks about it and mm-hmm. says, this is the way. So, the, so that's the new you, mission. Can I pause you there? For, well, Please. It, it's, it's interesting because she's she's almost undermining her own beliefs, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, I'll, I'll give you this, this one-off. And I got thinking about that a little bit. I was like, well, you've just kind of given him an out or, or given a chance to come back, which is is... is is good. I think it shows growth, and but also I think you no. Know, why did she even let him into this den? Why did you know? I feel like she wants him. I mean, she doesn't want to be around him. She want you know be gone type thing. You know, you're now apostate, right? So she calls him that. She's the one that like you mentioned that you had a great definition that I hadn't even thought through that. He he's a, he's a he's a wanderer. He's a he's disillusioned or whatever. That's what she's there. Coven I assume believes. But he's kind of proven himself. Hey, well, I kind of saved your guys' butts back there, like <laughs> well, with my my writing and my stallion, and and you kind of owe me this conversation. So I feel like that's the yep. framework uh, for that. And then, like you said, um, you know, they look at this crystal, and then also it's like she's kind of changing her ways, uh, or I guess the the the, the, the way uh, of how it's going to be. And I wonder how often that does happen. So I, I find it interesting that like maybe. I, I was going back to my thought about the lake right out there inside the, the cave. And I thought, can I just walk out there and just like re up? Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's, I feel like, like you got, no, no, no. We want to go, go out there. And she was even saying like, Oh, it's poison. You can't go there. Like, there's no way. He's like, well, I can prove it to you. I, it's I like, think I've it's got to himself. go to the river Jordan and be in the exact. Something like that. Yeah. I, there's definitely some mythos behind that. And I think that she wants to believe that as well. Right. She's like, Oh, this is interesting. I'm going to set you on this mission and and prove it to me. Yeah, if you can do this to, for me or us or your covenant or your your kind, yeah. uh, you can be granted you know access again to to us. So it's really interesting. It really is 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 in that first like I don't know twenty minutes ish, like less than that even. That we get so uh, much ten minutes. 10 yeah, minutes, yeah. yeah. Corey, another thing that you just brought up is another example of their literal interpretation of their rules rather than symbolic, right? Because if it was a symbolic approach to their beliefs, then yeah, you just walk them outside the cave and you do right. your, your ritual there in, in the same water that the young boy was just getting his, you know, taking his creed. But mm-hmm. because they are so dogmatic and literal in their in their beliefs, that it has to be in the waters of Mandalore. And yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> but I wanted to stop and appreciate Emily Swallow's performance and always, yeah. right? Number one, yes. because her vote, you know, we've never seen her face. And yet her voice conveys, and especially in that one line where she said, This is the way. I don't know if you guys heard it the way yeah. I heard it, but it was almost like a softer, yes. this is the way. Oh, yeah. Like an, it was like an all encouraging. Of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rather than in previous iterations of that, it's always a very stern, a very, you know, um, uh, Harsh, not harsh, but very stoic focused. and emotional. Stoic, yeah. yeah. It's like so it's like uh, it's like saying I'm Groot, right? In, in different inflections, it really <laughs> is to some degree. Uh, I like and, and I really am glad you brought that up because I I had thought that when I heard that, and uh, that's a really astute um, way to see that. I'm glad you brought that up. So, I honestly uh, think if the armorer were honest with herself and she had a, a sincere moment of reflection, I think she would say, in her heart of hearts. I want Din Djarin to succeed. I, sure. I'm giving him these chances over and over again. I am like the carrier of this belief system. This creed is is my blood. It's mm. it's my oxygen. It's my everything. 
but you she can't help but be impressed by i mean you remember her tone when you know do you know what that weapon is when he has the dark saber i really think that she wants him to succeed and 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 at first i was concerned that this season would be about her alienating him i'm not seeing that yet and emily swallow's tone is a good indicator of that so he's got his new mission Uh, anything you want to say about uh this opening sequence before we move on good no all right let's do it well you mentioned pergills this was if this wasn't the absolute highlight of the episode for me it's 1a i love Mm -hmm. rebels and people have heard me babble on about star wars know how much i love rebels (laughs) and seeing pergills in live action albeit just a silhouette of them it's hard not to think about the fact that we know Ahsoka's around the corner-ish, and that is what we've been led to believe is going to be showing her hunting for Ezra. And Ezra and Thrawn left on those Pergils, right? I'm not saying those are the Pergils, but just knowing that we're there, and of course, Grogu can connect with him or, or, or be moved by their presence because they're highly Force-sensitive beings, and Grogu is clearly... Yeah. Very highly force sensitive. He's a magnet. It was absolutely wonderful. And then in uh, adorable, but less wonderful because I'm just a Pergo guy, is he goes down that little tube and all of a sudden he's sitting on <laughs> Mando's lap and he kind of takes like the, the weapon ring. He makes it like his little seatbelt. I mean, how cute is that? Yeah. Grogu <laughs> is insanely cute. And I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I mean, it's just, it's so cute. It's like cuter than hearing a bug sneeze. It's just the best. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the uh, the the force whales um, because it, it, <laughs> that is something uh, is really interesting. I guess I had kind of forgotten that this is we're, you know with Ahsoka series coming up and and there's been teasers all over the place. All kinds of stuff can happen. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily talk about that a ton, but like it's just cool to see how these how much these truly these are connecting stories uh, throughout Star Wars, and it just it, it just gleams back on itself and. Uh, it's so cool, and I was even I, my son goes, "Oh, that's that, that's right, Ezra. I forgot. Yeah, it's like almost like I got. I'm gonna go watch Rebels again. I want to go. I want to go experience that again. So it's really cool to see them, uh, you know, mirror that. And also, I thought like, are the, is are these are they swimming a claw? Are they swimming? Are they swimming space? I guess you swim uh, through the force or the or the not the force the uh, uh, what should I the the uh, light speed lanes? You know, so I feel like they're the ones like taking the you know the the on-ramp i guess i don't know how to say it but like (laughs) i feel like uh you know it's 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 interesting because there's almost a whole other path around the galaxy via these these species or these whales and that's really cool i i've had that really interesting aspect and they've just blossomed so many different things in star wars that i tend to forget and i'm so glad that they have just great storytelling i think and how much they care for this this series and definitely this franchise Love it. I was so thrilled when when he's you know I I love seeing the hyperspace lanes anyway because I just think they're mm-hmm. so cool with the swirling right. blue and light and it's so neat visually they're so beautiful and then you know you're seeing that in the glass reflected on his little dome uh, his cool little seat you know the little child seat that he has <laughs> and uh, he's just looking up and they're making this puppet have such wonder in his eyes and yeah. it's just a, a magnificent thing they do with him every single time he's on screen. But then we see these purgles and right. And I just, I I geeked out, right. I already referenced it. But then I shortly after that, I thought to myself, I thought of something that Kathleen Kennedy said um, 
year or so ago, and she referenced that Star Wars characters are designed to be recognized by their silhouette, right? If you think over the course, from the beginning, you can recognize characters just by seeing their silhouette, and the Purgles are the same way, because immediately, as soon as I saw that, yeah. You didn't see any defining features. I mean, of course, you saw the tails and the sort of the rounded front, but we didn't see any details. But the minute, if you've seen Rebels, you knew exactly what you were looking at. And the ramifications of just that simple scene yeah. is, it, it's so, yeah. it blows your mind. There's a lot, <laughs> There's a lot there. Uh, so he, he lands on Navarro. The, the opening to Navarro is great. Um, there's like this sound of this welcoming droid or some sort of a it's a it sounds like a female voice um talking about what i forget the exact term something like um it's kind of welcoming him to navarro right yes. i mean i feel like that's like you're pulling into disney's parking lot and you know you're getting exactly. all the, the vibes right like we didn't have that before previously yes. it was like you know you didn't have the nice little chime you just landed wherever and you know Sounds like the you... pride of the outer rim, or yeah, that's something pretty cool. Like that, uh, he lands. Right. Yep. Uh, there's this. The IG11 statue was great. In at the opening, they showed the flashback of IG11 sacrificing himself uh, in that fiery lake or, or stream or whatever it is on Navarro at the end of chapter eight of season one, and uh, so that made me happy. And I'm like, oh, and then. You learn, uh, first of all, High Magistrate Grief Card comes out. I love this character. High Magistrate. Yeah. High Magistrate. <laughs> so he's all like, every time we see him, he's get a little more fancy. But you can tell that it may even says to me, Dad, this planet looks so much different. I mean, it was very bright. Yep. It was beautiful. You've got all the Kwaki monkey lizards happy up on the yeah. little thing. No one's roasting them. Everything is clean. <laughs> uh, it's just really, really cool. And then these pirates show up. Well, first of all, I think it's cool that Grief Cargo says, like, you know, why don't you retire here? Here's this plot of land. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've done your thing. But he, I love that he respects that the Mandalorian has his own way of doing things. He doesn't flat out ignore him. But when when I love, I think this perfectly typifies it. Uh, your little friend or whatever. And then he says, Grogu. He says, what? He says, his name is Grogu. <laughs> and he says, yeah, if you say so. And it wasn't rude, but like to him, that was as much as he's going to give that acknowledgement. It was just a great little character moment. I loved it. It shows the respect that you have for each other, but also they're very much individuals. Yeah, I, I think that's great. It's a great opening to see these, these characters see themselves, like see them meet up again, and and they have a kind of budding friendship. Because I I do think back to the um, season one where they were kind of, um, you know not really nice to each other like he'd give them jobs and he was like well just take what you can get type thing and it was just they're trying to get their way in the world and i could tell each other there's that yeah there's a couple <laughs> he times shot yeah, him. yeah, yeah shot that's him. right i forgot about that and so it's like i feel like they've really understood each other and and come to an understanding they said griff Carg has definitely made a whole life for himself uh by being the high magistrate in uh carl weathers does such a great job i mean you could just tell Absolutely. he's just enjoying himself so much and I got to say, his little add-ons to his his cape with that with the little <laughs> droids, the carpet droids or whatever they were, that <laughs> was great. So I clunked down the stairs. In yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think that that's just those little things are are so cool. I think it's so much fun. Again, I I also uh, like I said, Car- or Carl Weathers having such a great time doing this, but also we get to see him kind of go up against those those pirates. 
he has lost his edge too. I really liked that a yeah. lot too. I appreciated the fact that he's just not some lazy, you know, fat off the land type dude. Like he was kind of preaching at the Mando, like, dude, like go take a load off and, you know, uh, kind of offers them this the sheriff job and they kind of catch up and like uh, it's really like it's got to be tempting for mando right he's got two paths now he can go do this you know mandalore thing and figure that out or he can stay here and not worry about that what does he want to do and, and, and again i think maybe that goes back to that that ego or that pride or that um that boldness uh, that mandalorians have and he's trying to figure that out for himself what does he believe and i guess we go further into that scene with Bo-Katan and, and so so it's like I, I still think he's trying to figure out himself and I think that's really cool even when a friend comes alongside and offers him a great opportunity see I, I like your perspective I find he's the only character that totally knows himself I don't think he's trying to figure anything out he wants to get redeemed in those waters because that's what he's raised with hmm. and I was thinking about that why would he still feel that way if he's already kind of grown and changed and he's a dad now and um, Grogu has made his choice. He's not going to be a Jedi. Uh, so why does he still want to do that? It's, I think it's because right? exactly, and yeah. it's like no matter how much you grow or how far away you move from where you were raised or whatever choices you make, you still can't. How you were raised doesn't just go away. It just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that that's kind of a default for him. Um, and we see it as a weakness because we're like, you got everything, buddy, hmm. but we're not him. And we don't know, like maybe he wants to be redeemed so we can do something different. I, I don't know that, but I love that, uh, he acknowledges the offers and, and you know, or he could be the marshal. He'd be a great marshal. We are going to talk about that here in a second. Um, but I, I just really think it's, it's just a really, he's just a cool, he's complex. I mean, he's not super complex nobody in stars is super complex if you're being <laughs> completely honest but he's but he's 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 fascinating in his own way Let, let's talk about uh, i love how they handled cara dune so you land on navarro you're expecting to see cara dune she's she's a great character obviously there were a lot of extenuating circumstances that we won't dive into here because that's not what coffee with kenobi does um but i like the fact that Gina Carano or not, they haven't recasted Cardoon, at least at the time of this recording. What we learn is he says, you know, you've got a marshal. Uh, and we know that Cardoon is, is a very formidable and very accomplished uh, fighter uh, and protector, mm-hmm. very much a protector. We learned that she was recruited by special forces after she brings in, after they bring in Moff Gideon, who, by the way, was sent to off to New Republic War Tribe. Yeah, he was kind of squirreled away too, right? Razor. Yeah, but he's. <laughs> He, we know he's going to be around. Um, Cara Dune is not. Uh, and I thought I liked that they handled it the way they did. I like that she wasn't killed off or just not acknowledged. I think that would have been a, a great tragedy. Uh, so it's cool that at least his character still exists, uh, but is off doing her own thing. I really like how they handled that. I think it's very efficient storytelling. You're right. It's yeah. just t- taking care of dialogue. It would be, um, uh, it would be, uh, anti-intellectual if you want to call it that if they weren't if they weren't yeah. to address her at all because right. like you said last time he was on navarro cara dune was there right and and so was uh grief cargo so that that place is tied to her and at the same time 
you have to address the whole situation. And they did it with a line of dialogue. And then they moved right on to Moff Gideon. And I even loved the, uh, did you catch Den's body language when uh, Grieve Karga says, oh, he's in a war tribunal. Uh, and he just sort of like, he does the whole shrug like, oh yeah, that's gonna, yeah, that's, that's, gonna, really that's a waste of time, yeah. right? So <laughs> I, I just love the efficiency of the storytelling that we get with uh, with this show. Just so, so smart. Yeah, I will say I agree with you guys in the sense of, you know, in good story writing and storytelling, characters, you know, are the the blood life of, of those advancing stories and mm-hmm. they come and go. I mean, it's it's up to the writers to manipulate that and carry on a good story. And I think uh, they handled it very well. Like you said, you don't want to alienate anybody uh, fan wise, mm-hmm. but also I think, uh, you know, don't, don't just, don't do take out the easy way, right? I feel like the easy way yeah. would have been like, oh, she she's dead or blew up or whatever, right? You're you're, yeah. you're leaving that that path open. So hey, maybe we do bring her back season four. Maybe we do bring her back eventually. Like and you mentioned, uh, um, oh gosh, I forgot his name now. The uh, the bad guy, um, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Thank you. I was like, he was kind of in the same vein of like, well, you know, we don't know. It's up in the air type thing. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also an open road to say that anything could happen. And so back to what, you know, originally they pulled a rug underneath from the, underneath us. I think they're going to, I mean, they can do anything now. It's like they're keeping those doors open in the sense of uh, the fact that, you know, they control this universe and uh, we're here for ride for the ride uh, for what we're going to be showing. So yeah. I wanted to mention uh, just to, if we're going to be moving on, I just wanted yeah. to bring up two things about Navarro, that whole scene. Well, before the the next one we get to, it, it was one about Din and just the arc that he's on that you guys were mentioning. And I, I feel like he's complex because he has this dogmatic creed about his religion and his helmet. But then at the same time, his personal beliefs, he's able to be flexible. So mm-hmm. he's rigid in one sense, but he's flexible in another. Yeah. And the best, I thought it was magnificent the way they've shown that to us because the droid that he had the biggest problem with from the beginning, <laughs> he's now going back to and yeah. wants on his side. He wants it back. That's and true. it's just speaking out redemptive. Exactly. Uh, and then the other thing was grief cargo. And just a small note, um, you guys were talking about how he still carries that blaster. He's gone legit, but he's still got that, that uh, power behind him. I loved the little detail that he shot the blaster out of the pirate's hand. Right. He yep. could have shot him anywhere. Mm-hmm. But he's got the skills and the will to shoot him in a non-lethal place for a purpose. And I also just like that they just don't kill things left and right. You know, his his whole crew got wiped out. But yeah. you know, that's one thing. <laughs> but um, but grief when he had the guy's life in his hands, he shot that blaster out of his hand for a purpose, right? Go back and tell your boss that we don't play like that anymore. So yeah. it uh, reminds just, me of the bad batch really whenever they fire upon clones, they yeah. use stun. Yeah. That's the, the stun, yeah. One of the first thing I yeah, and it's that's your choice, right? Yeah. This is a this is a cold blooded yeah. uh, guy who was in charge of the bounty hunter guild and uh, took life for yep. profit, uh, which mm-hmm. is even acknowledged by this part. Part Vane is his name, V A N E. Kind of a nice play on words of being a vain person. Well, he mentions, uh, you know, you know who you report to or used to report to. So a little thread there too to pick up mm-hmm. on. Uh, we don't know. We don't know if that's going to come into play either. But uh, uh, it sort of is at the end because that's Pirate King Gorian Shard. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a note here about that. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, who's that's got right. this wonderful seaweed beard? Uh, the first <laughs> crossover uh, between Star Wars and comic books. He's Swamp Thing. 
<laughs> uh, Black Crusade might have something to say about that, but yes, you're right. Right. Uh, yeah. So th- I like that notion too of like he keeps saying he sticks to his guns. Um, not really. This is a school. No, this is a bar. I'm, no, I'm gonna go in there and makes a little joke. Oh, no wonder they wouldn't let me. In. It's a school. Ha ha ha. You know the idea of education uh, versus being ignorance and. Mm. Uh, rejection because you're not smart, but that this is a choice that this pirate has made. And later, he and his crew uh, made uh, Mandalorian at his finest, which was pretty great. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about uh, the return of the Anzellan species, uh, some de- more detail on IG 11, and more with Bo Katan. I'm Dan Zare, and this is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. We're back. We're talking about the apostate chapter 17 of season three of The Mandalorian. Gosh, it's good to have it back. Good to be back with all of you, Colby and Corey. I've just got a refill, so we're ready to move on to the second half of this episode. Uh, we didn't talk about the IG-11 return. He was destroyed, of course, in uh, Chapter 8 of the first season. And uh, I didn't think he was coming back. Yeah. Uh, I would have been fine with him not coming back because I believe when you're dead in stories, unless that you should stay dead, uh, the Uncle Ben example, uh, being <laughs> the prime example of that. Um, but they've got a new idea here. They're going to uh, get some power to him. It, Mando wants protection, a droid that he trusts, which is, you know, used to be kind of a unique idea. I believe Colby, was it you, Colby, that mentioned the idea of uh, it's kind of a core redemptive thing, or was that you, Corey? I can't remember. No, it was Colby. About how, oh, yeah, okay. how from the beginning he didn't trust droids, and now he wants to go back and get the one he trusts the least. Yes, and yeah. now it's obviously that's not true. Uh, so I guess I want to know, what do you like this sort of angle? And I also think we should talk about that scene quickly because it's like a horror movie. Uh, IG-11 <laughs> come back. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like it. You know, I, I agree with you. I didn't expect him to come back. I, I was kind of surprised they showed that in the in the preview, like, you know, from previous seasons of, of into this new season. They kind of singled in on, on IG-11. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. And then... He shows up as a statue, and even Grief Carg is like, he's just a statue, you know, right? Like, it's not, you can't take him with you. Like, <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> like, a funny well, little part of him. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like he's um, made of chocolate. Yes, it does look, <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> but he looks very, like, happy. He just does his, like, he's cutting his arm up, but he looks yeah. like he's ready to go. And, um, yeah, they, they kind of bring him in and fix him up. I thought, does. Mandalorian, I mean, that dude's like a jack of all trades. Like, he has got it figured out. Like, he built his N1 fighter, I guess, but like, I, I just like, he's just a man of, that knows it all. He can't, can't be stopped. And I think we'll learn that. I think even more still, uh, his, his skill sets. Uh, he mentions it to Grogu about knowing how to get around the galaxy. And so, um, yeah, they try to piece him back together. And I, I feel expected to pop back on and, and like, okay, let's, let's move on with our mission. And, and no, it was like, like I said, a horror scene is a good way to say it. Uh, and some, some comedy in there too, you know. But I thought, okay, we just went for one scene where they just gunned down a whole crew of bad guys or pirates, 
to this scene where they're like, oh, ooh, pass Grogu back and forth like a hot potato and don't know yeah. what to do. I was like, you guys, come on. You literally just fired down, like, I don't know if he's just more tough than he looks like, uh, IG-11 or or not, but kind of a fun little push on the on the head there and the, the smart all comment of nice job using your head or something like that. Or That was good. Yeah, so it was it was fun. It was a fun moment. It was definitely interesting. That's one thing I will say. It's overall popped my head, but this does have a lot of fun moments. It does have that lightness to it that I get from Mandalorian, and also has the dark moments too. I think there's a good balance um, with for kind of everybody to take in the sense of uh, family members or whatnot. So um, I did enjoy the scene. It was fun, Uh, a little unrealistic, but fun. I'm okay with the with the idea of bringing him back. I d- I'll admit that I did sort of think for a for a moment, um, you know, well, what does that do to the sacrifice that he made, right? And um, but then you think, well, he's a robot. He's, he's a, a droid. droid. Yeah. He's made up of right. Yeah. And that was a beautiful moment. I don't think this undoes any of that. Um, and then the other the other side of that is, whatever if he gets IG Eleven up and running again. It could be like IG-11 3.0, right? We've already yeah. had one version and then Quill made a second version. And who knows what we may end up with uh, with at the end of this process. And I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that because it may be a completely uh, new perspective on IG-11. So bring it on. Uh, and then that scene I, I thought was really cool because he's, you know, crawling around like, a, like, you remember the Terminators when they would get, exactly. you know, yeah. they would get cut in half and That's they're still true. going. Uh, and, you know, I am a big fan of puns. So anytime you can work in, uh, you know, some uh, D- Dan, you called it a dad joke. Soon yep. as that droid pushed that, that bust over on him. And, and <laughs> I was waiting for him to say that, like, come please. Uh, someone say that's using your head. And then yeah. Dan came through for me. So yes, two thumbs up for that whole scenario. <laughs> if I don't have dad jokes, I like half the things I say in class are eliminated on a day. <laughs> uh, so it's a memory circuit is shot. That's why he defaults to his, um, base programming so yeah i agree it'd be kind of cool if the new chip was just a completely different i don't know what the direction they would go uh but it's cool i i like i said i i i'm not ready to cast my official judgment i love this character anyway um i i don't i'm not a person that needs everybody back i don't need more stories of everything right. i don't need every think every character needs 55 different narratives <laughs> um but it's a fun idea. Uh, we'll sort of see how it goes. Uh, the Anzel thing, I, I like Babu Frick is cute. <laughs> I've never really, I've never really cared about Babu Frick. I thought it was just kind of a, a way to sell a couple of toys or puppets, but um, no squeeze, bad baby. <laughs> was so delightful and so funny. Mason was howling with delight. Yes. We were laughing so hard. Just seeing that uh, with him was worth the price of mission. That was an absolute ball. And him talking <laughs> uh, to Mando and then Grief Karga crouching down, yeah. trying to translate yeah. when Mando understood it all. And yeah. like sitting there like crisscross applesauce and said, that was great. That was just fun, fun, yeah. fun. My uh, my son said, well, how'd they get IG-11 in there? That little mouse hole. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like there's almost like <laughs> how did Mando comedy aspect. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's like, but the grief car is outside like, looking in. It's like, there's a lot of comedy angles to Marvelous. this that like are really funny. And they kind of ham it up too, don't they? And I think yes. that's the best part about this. I like Dan, the I respect muscles. 
I respect your opinion on on Babu Frick, and I, I totally get it. But I got to tell you, buddy, you're wrong. We need a <laughs> Disney Plus series with Anzellans. Just I don't care if it's seasons. animated. I just need to hear like 22 minutes of those idiots talking. I absolutely <laughs> love it. They cracked me up, and I was so thrilled when <laughs> Grogu just wraps up on what he's giving yeah. him a hug. <laughs> no squeeze, bad baby. No, bad baby. I wrote that down too. But no Same. squeezy. No squeeze. <laughs> That's great. That. That scene had more heart than all of the Rise of Skywalker combined. <laughs> Not a slam. It's just, it's just, facts, uh, just that's facts. hilarious. That's really funny. Yeah, that was Star Wars comedy at its best. It was delightful. So then we've got our pirate ambush. We get a, a quick scene of this pirate. Yeah. Um, who's got, I actually talked to Ed Dulles today, the indie cast, because he's a big pirate guy. Oh, excellent. And we were talking about that character, um, which is, was really, really fun. Uh, the pirate his name is a pirate king named Gorian Shard. I, that that vessel that he's flying is great. I love that he's a pirate king, and the reason yeah. I like it, um, in a classic Shakespearean tale, uh, many of the villains, uh, many of many of Shakespeare's audiences love pirate kings, not just pirates, but pirate kings. So this is a very classic archetypal love idea, sure. just like um, a mustache twitching ne'er do well. So that that was a fun literary angle that I had not expected. Uh, I don't really don't have much to say about that fight sequence other than it was cool, and I liked that he used speed to get away instead of trying to take them all out. Probably it would have been more beneficial to do it, but as we've established, uh, Mando's not a murderer. Uh, even though they, uh, his crew tried to kill him, he's got uh, more important things to do, so he's going to go visit. He's going to go visit Bo-Katan. Yeah, I want to say one thing about that. That part, uh, I, he'll be back. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. My yeah. gut, he'll be back. And he's already now. He's made some extra enemies. Now, yeah. what, 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 will the, what will these parts do now to Navarro? Like, I feel like he's stirred up a little bee's nest there. Um, so, I definitely think that they'll come back around. And because th- that's the thing too. Those characters look great on the screen. Um, yeah, Pirate King. I yep. thought what great practical effects. They're just like churning this stuff out. Like it's like it's the bread and butter, man. I, I think love mm-hmm. the the look. Uh, I can't wait to see if there's going to be like action figures or something like that, and how they'll, they'll kind of cross that over. I mean, yeah, uh, it's just uh, they've done such a good job with that, uh, even with Manda or with uh, Bo- Boba Fett's series too. Just these hulking characters that you can just tell are from Star Wars. I think that's the best part about this. You see these characters, you go, "Yep, that's f- something from Star Wars," and uh, I can see it walking, you know, around Disney World uh, um, on Batu or something, you know. Yep. <laughs> so definitely very cool. I thought the whole space uh, dogfight scene was just really exciting and really, really well done. And that's one thing I think that has sort of been missing from the Mandalorian is we just haven't had a ton of, you know, those types of scenes because I mean, how cool can a just chasing people around in, in a empty vacuum of space be, but you put in uh, an asteroid field, all of a sudden it becomes super cool. You know, I think of like attack of the clones and Obi-Wan with Django Fett. Right. Um, But, and their use of the music I thought was especially good here because I don't even know what to call this. It happened in the beginning, in the first scene when Mando arrived to help the the with the big monster, and it happened two or three times during this dogfight, mm-hmm. where when he's popping out behind these asteroids, they they have like this this Mando th- quick Mando theme that they yeah. play with it, and cool. it's just so cool. It's almost like you know, it's like the uh, the old west. Every like a hero has his theme. So whenever he pops out and takes out one ship, they play right. it real quick, and then he hides again. And then he pops out, and they play it real quick again. And I just think 
you know, like the Pedro apocalypse is in full swing now and he's just a <laughs> rock star, right? Mando yeah. is just a rock star. He even has his own theme. So a very cool action scene. And I love that, that super uh, cool um, sublight thrusters thing that he has on, on that in one, we got to see it in the Book of Boba Fett episode. And then yep. again, in this one, he just flips that switch and gone. Cool. It's, it's awesome. done. Uh, if you're interested in more about the in one starfighter, there's a great article in stars.com all about it, by oh. the way. Yep. That I wrote. I just say who wrote that? Yeah, <laughs> very good, awesome. So let's talk about the end. We already talked about uh, sort of the paradox that is Bo-Katan uh, calling him a fool, but sticking very sternly. I mean, she's clearly like, oh, she's over it. She's lost. <laughs> yeah, she's broken. She's, just, she's well, not. So she's her... got anger, but she doesn't seem to have a lot of fight in her because she's not fighting for it. Um, she yeah. needs a dark saber. She's not going to try to fight Din Djarin. Does she think she can even beat Din Djarin? That's what I was thinking. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. She, so interesting enough to me, I love Kay Sackhoff. She is fantastic. She's one of my favorite. great. It's space heroes. (laughs) A lot of space movies she's in. But uh, uh, I want to capture the moment where he does fly and he goes, he points out and goes, yep, that's Mandalorian Castle or whatever he says, something like that. And I thought, maybe my son's like, my son was like, Okay, just come out and say it. I guess like we don't have to even think about it. Like we're kind of like wonder what that is. Oh, we're just gonna tell you right away. We don't care. And I and like to your point about the armor. Like she's just moving here. Like how did this come to be? Like uh, you know, it's just really interesting that yeah. Take that. That looks better than Mandalore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then she's like you said, she's alone. Which man, these these hallways and the lighting and these these giant like almost windowist type things are just like it looks like she's in a cathedral or something. It mm-hmm. looks really beautiful, and she's on this giant throne, and she's kind of, kind of her leg, got her legs propped up, and she's kind of like cocky and like looking like she's like, oh now, now who's coming to see me? Who who needs me now? Now you know, for something. I felt like that that was her posture. She's definitely giving off the vibe of like, I'm kind of too good, too cool for school type thing, and that tells me like that's just where she kind of sits. That's that's her creed. That's her her creeds. But she is. I think you guys brought up a good thing that I hadn't thought of. Was she's missing something. There's something she's missing. I don't know what that is yet. When we'll find out more, but maybe it's that relationship aspect of Mando and Grogu. Then she's she's longing for that, but she knows doesn't know how to get it back. And she only knows how to get the dark saber and go through that deal and figure that out. But then, you know, like you said, maybe she's afraid to face him. I don't know. Um, can, can I can I add <laughs> that I got I even I sort of got like she's depressed vibes. Like no. she, you know, you don't, she doesn't even, she doesn't care. She's right. And what I think Corey, what, what you're talking about to me is that she lacks purpose. Now she doesn't have a direction yeah. because of this whole dark saber thing and her crew abandons her. And yeah. I'm excited to see if, and I, you know, I don't swim in the speculation waters either, but you know, sometimes I'll get my toes wet a little bit, but <laughs> I'm excited to splash off some that face, water. Yeah. Why, yeah, those, Be careful there. Alligator turtles are coming after you. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see if we get some kind of, um, den brings her purpose back mm. type of relationship because they started out. There's a mutual admiration and respect going back to season two. But then by the end of that, it's, it's more antagonistic, right? Because he has what she wanted. Well, now, Dan, I think you're right. She sort of resigned. Like, I'm not getting this back from him. So will he bring some kind of purpose to her? Because it was sort of a bummer to see her looking like that. You know, Bo-Katan has a great history in Star Wars and she's charismatic and she's strong and she's a leader. But now she has nobody following her. 
And it was sort of sad to see. And can I say one more point about that? Can he please learn to close his doors? It was <laughs> raining and he just left the hatch open. He would always do that with the razor crest. And it just, it just, I don't know, maybe it's my little OCD going, he needs to learn to close the doors of his ships. There you go. I, I don't think that's a little OCD. I think that's right on. OCD. <laughs> that's great. No. So here's what we learned from this sequence. I think we learned that in her point of view, and this may be accurate. It probably is uh, forces. Um, the cult gave up on Mandalore long before the purge. So she still blames children of the watch. Uh, she says they fractured and shattered her people. Uh, but it seems like there was a lot of, of fractured sort of, we learned from Star Wars Rebels anyway. Uh, the mines below, the reason the mines are sacred and why you can't use other waters is because these mines supplied Beskar to their people. So it's almost like they believe Beskar from these sacred waters is almost sacred in and of itself. That's just my assumption. I'm connecting some dots here. Uh, defined it as the mines between the Civic Center and the city of Sundari. Yeah. Uh, those are the details that we learn about the plot. Uh, I don't get at all that um then that she feels superior i get that she is like a uh, a depressed teenager that's how she's mm -hmm. acting she's acting all depressed like you both said she's got no purpose now she doesn't have fight in her to be mad at herself and blame everybody else she's not taking any responsibility for her actions mm -hmm. uh and maybe they'll bring into the fact that her sister was murdered by Maul and Obi-Wan, and maybe she still blames herself for some of that. Huh. I don't know. That's never come up. It wouldn't surprise me if it was somewhere below the surface. Katie Sackhoff in our roundtables did talk about that very briefly, which was cool, after being asked about it, prompted by it. Uh, I think the thing that's the most important here is that when he leaves, and listen to it again, the last piece of dialogue is she says, goodbye, Din Djarin, yeah. without any affection, without any no. kindness with with kind of like she if she could spit out yeah. his name i think she would i think that no. she i don't think it has to do with him i think it's what he represents her i think he, he's jealous he right to some degree, she, he has a mission he has something he's gonna go fulfill yes she doesn't right so she's kind of like dang and he's a doer like he doesn't yeah, sit around and wait yeah, and recruit after, people yeah. i think he is the physical manifestation manifestation of her perceived failure wow and mm -hmm. i yeah. and i think he walks away from her mm -hmm. because she walks away from accountability you know i don't have my saber so i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna sit there and i'm gonna stew looking Ugh. very unwarrior like right and just giving up she's got her little kingdom and no one is there mm. so where so who's the fool interesting yeah. You, you know, two two quick things, uh, one on Din and one on Bo. First of all, Bo almost, it, it feels like how Darth Maul would sit on that Mandalorian throne, right? Absolutely. Just so yeah. nonchalant. It's almost the same exact pose. Right? It's probably not an accident. Very true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and that says something, right, yep. about that sure character. Is. And then the other side of that is um, the supreme confidence yep. that Din Djarin displays. He tells her, I'm going to Mandalore. And I'm going to prove that it's not poisoned. And that changes everything for Mandalorians. If their home planet is somewhat um, hospitable and can build some type of habitat there. And he just says it straight out. I'm going there and I'm going to show that it's not poisoned and walks away. And yeah, that 
I'm sure did not sit very well with her being in the state of mind she's in. He's got this great thing that's uh, this great humility about him. So I, I've actually done a lot of exploring about this through some religious things. And humility, this is a definition I've heard recently. I really like it. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Now C.S. Lewis. That is from C.S. Lewis. Very good. Uh, a boy. And so he, <laughs> it's not that he um, is thinking selfishly. I think, I think he has purpose for getting his Mandalore way back. Maybe he thinks that's the only way he can properly guide his son. Mm. Maybe. Or maybe, they, again, that's just part of what he's been programmed to be since he was a kid. And I don't mean programming is, is a trite thing. I just mean, like, that's how he's been raised. I mean, we're all sort of programmed or educated or sure. formed or shaped in our own way in our in our yeah. homes, in our schools, in our churches, in our face, in our whatevers. So it's going to be fun and fascinating to see kind of where this thing goes. We've talked a lot about yeah. <laughs> this first episode, and I'm glad I couldn't uh, imagine two uh, more fun people to have a cup of coffee with, guys. Uh, I think it's time to give our letter grades. We certainly yeah. let this conversation be our rubrics. Corey, let's start with you. What's your letter grade? And feel free to sort of explain it if you need to. Sure. I mean, A-plus for me. Uh, I'm excited Mando's back, season three. We're going on more adventures, meeting new characters, meeting old characters. Uh, it's been a blast already, and it's only episode one. And I can't, I always feel like Mando always keeps getting better and better uh, as seasons go. And this is going to dip even further into the you know, Star Wars pool, if you will, and, and be able to uh, show us all kinds of angles I think we haven't seen before. I think Dave Floney and John Favreau are are just, just enjoying this so much and, and just really dreaming up some great things that are built around Star Wars lore, Mandalorians, and just uh, a way of presenting it to us that's just fun enjoyable and just really a, a knockout and um one gripe i do have of this episode would be that it feels like he has one mission i'm gonna go back to Mandalore and figure it out but then all these little side missions pop up and it's like oh well, i'll get ig88 or, or ig88 ig11 well he's broken we gotta go fix the thing and we gotta do this and it's just like it's like i mean i feel like Okay, I hope that he doesn't get blocked about the main mission. He's doing these side missions. I feel like it's like a video game where it's like, okay, well, I know there's a main mission this way, but I got these little side missions. I'll just do that all day, and it's, it feels like it's just a little filler. So I hope that they're like we're just ramping into this basically, and we're building story. I expect that because we've seen that in the last two series. So that's what it felt like a little bit from this episode. But okay. I mean, I'm okay with it for being episode one, not episode you know seven, and we're still feeling this way. So that's, that's a all. good point. Well, in seasons one and two, uh, he does have some side missions, uh, but yep. they're all with the purpose of long game and using that, so he doesn't show up to the fight unprepared. Sure, right. But I, but I, but I totally get what you're saying, uh, Colby. Uh, do well, you also have an A plus, or what do you think? Okay, so if you would indulge me, yes, because I know that this is a newer way of of doing this, and it's a good way of doing this, but. I also enjoyed when we would give our letter grade first and then see how it changed after the conversation. Oh, good right? point. Because that yeah. happened. I, I, and that, that started happening. Doesn't with yours me. change as we're talking though? Like whatever you thought at the beginning, doesn't, don't you find yourself uh, adapting it a little bit organically? Yes. Yes. Good. And that, and that's the fun of it. That's the fun yeah. of it because, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. 
After the episode ended, thrilled, loved it. I thought it was a fantastic setting of the table, ready to go. Mando's back, and we're going on another season-long adventure. I was super hyped, loved every second of it. Uh, My one critique is that there wasn't enough of it. You know, I wanted, you know, give me... You know, of the of the first episodes, I think uh, this was the shortest one. Uh, so, you know, I'm just greedy. I want more. So my first initial thought was, this is a B plus. This is a B plus. But it's really not a B plus because of all the things we've just spent an hour talking about. <laughs> it's so layered. It's so complex. There's so much more. It's a transformer. It's, it's There's more than meets the eye, right? Yeah. If you take the time to think about these things scene by scene, um, I'm, I'm going to bump it up to a solid A where it would have been a B plus. Um, so solid A. It was entertaining. It was engaging. It was fun. It provoked thought. And clearly it's provoked conversation. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm happy with that, with an A grade. So Corey's was an A plus. Yep. Yours is an A. Mine is an A minus. Okay. How fun. Uh, I'm also <laughs> going to give you a pedagogical rationale oh. uh, for why we throw the letter grade at the end now. When I'm filling out a rubric for something I've gra- I'm grading, whether it's a project or an essay or what have you, I I have certain notions about where I think the paper is going to go, and then I put it in my numbers and I evaluate and do the scale. By the time you get to the end of it, then sometimes it's a bit of a surprise. Oh, that's kind of how I thought it would go. Oh no, but I find that the mapping out of the episode leads to your summation point. So that's kind of why that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting to me because I've graded things over the years, you know, five stars or, you know, grading scales. And I always think whenever you sit down to watch something, Mm -hmm. it always starts out as an A plus, right? Going in like A plus, I'm ready to go. Really? But then by by the movie, as you're getting or show or whatever have you, as you're going into it, you're going, okay, well, that didn't really work for me. Or oh, that the character's no, no good. Oh, this isn't very good. Oh, I'm getting bored. Or I'm, you know, the grade starts going down, right? So always, uh, my manager always told me we'd we'd grade each other like, and he said, if you couldn't give me a ten all the time, then tell me why. Always come to me when you think it's not a ten right now. Tell me what's the problem is, and I'll try to fix it. Like. And it's really interesting to, that perspective, I guess, in grading somebody. But I was kind of thought through that too. It's like if I'm sitting down and like, why not? Why not give us an A plus in the get go? Um, I do. Li- I do something. like that. I like that, Corey. And I like your what you're saying, Colby. Tom was like the biggest one at changing his grade, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is cool. Which I like that very much. Um, the reason it's an A minus for me is that it's wonderful. I it was I was happy. Yeah. I've watched it twice. I I liked. I thought the, I mean, if I had to quibble, which I don't, uh, the opening sequence probably could have been a little bit shorter to get more dialogue, but I don't really know what else they could say. I don't know what else more Din Djarin could say to the armor. So it, it gave us what we needed. It was very efficient in the storytelling. Uh, it, I thought it was very well done. But and for me, and maybe this is just going to be how it's going to be for me forever, uh, the rescue, the finale of season two, that's the A plus of the A plus, the A plus. So it's yeah. not at that level for me, um, huh. but it, but it was really, but it was really fun in and of its own. And it certainly whet my appetite and I can't wait for more. I mean, there's zero doubt about that. It's so absolutely you, delightful. Do you take then, do you take your favorite episode and kind of like, that's the top one and like, okay, well, I'm going to take the new episode and match it up against that one. Like, is that kind of the, the not purposefully? Okay. No, that's a good point. A good question. Now, I don't purposely do that, but I just, I just sort of in my evaluation scheme, that's fair. Yeah. I don't think everything has to be like the rescue, but if 
if I say this is an A plus, but I say the rescue is an A plus, well, those are very different episodes. Sure. You know, sure. they're very different levels of pow. Um, and I expect so that's why. I, I, I expect way, some of these episodes to be not all A pluses, right? Yeah, I mean, which I is fine. Some, some, some filler, some, some, you know, yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a big filler guy unless it's well, like, I, I should say filler. Stories. I should say story, you know, progression or character yes. development. You know, there's definitely going to be those times where he's, you know, putting his ship back there because it just got blown up. Or like, oh, we really need to see this scene. But no, this is telling us that he's very uh, technical dude. He's he knows his stuff and he, he's all about it. So draw was yes. be gone. So I'm interested that you said you pretty much start something assuming it's like at a and why I, not? I, I never thought about this yeah. until just now. Yeah. I think I start everything at a C. And I'm just going uh-huh. to build the road. And I can go here or I can go here. It either goes up or goes down. Uh-huh. Hmm. I start in the middle. You know what I also found myself doing subconsciously today was comparing it to the previous uh, premiere episodes of, of the yeah. previous seasons. Yeah. Um, because for me, if <laughs> first of all, the first episode ever, they dropped this massive bomb on us at the end, right? And it just changes, literally changes yeah. Star Wars. Pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and pop culture. And then the second one, they kill a, tr- a crate dragon. I mean, that, that was, was that's one yeah. of the most awesome, incredible episodes yeah. of television and uh, of that year, really. And I was so glad I went back and rewatched things because I got to watch that episode again. And just the whole introduction of Cobb Vanth and the, so the armor good. aspect. And then to finish it off with this... That episode looked so gorgeous. The yes. just the pro, the production value on that was incredible. This episode is very different from both of those, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it succeeds in what it needs to do because I keep hearing, um, you know, Favreau and Filoni sort of talking about the the scope of this mm-hmm. this season, and the other two seasons were very direct. Right, Din is on a mission for Grogu. This one seemed well. That mission is accomplished. That is in the past now, and it seems like we are going to be heading in a different direction. And I think this episode set it up superbly. Yep. I like season one is finding self. Season two is finding fatherhood. Season three is finding spirituality. That's sort of Ooh. what it seems like we've got here. Interesting. I'm here. I'm here for it. Well, Favreau said he's got he's got season four already ready written. to go too. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Scripts cool. are written. We shall we shall see what transpires. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are with Dan Z, the podcast you're looking for. This is <laughs> this entire coffee chat was wonderful. Of course, <laughs> because I got the two C's with me. Uh, Corey, always great to chat yeah. with you, buddy. Of course, we chat every week on CWK Prover. If you're a member of the CWK Alliance, which is our Patreon page, we get exclusive content. You get to hear me, Corey, and Tom talking every week. This week, we talked about our behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, and the, the show come this weekend is a fun one that you came up with. Kind of, We answer questions from the world of Stephen Colbert. That's right. Uh, they're none of them are political. They're all silly. Oh, they're just fun. Yeah, they're fun. But it's always fun to talk with you. Appreciate it, man. Uh, please let everybody know where they they can find you out in the interwebs. In their webs, yes. If you feel like you've got a thought about the Mandalorian and you want to tell me about it, let me know. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Corey Club C O R Y C L U B B Double B's. I'm out there doing my thing. Uh, feel free to reach out and let me know what you think. And you can email me if you want to. Uh, Corey C at CoffeeWithKenobi uh, there to maybe put together a longer thought if you want to. Absolutely. And Colby, of course, as I mentioned, the top show, the Colby cast, 
I don't know that you're going to find too many podcasts that are as, as sincere, as insightful, and as joyful, and just as pleasant to listen to and be a part of than the Colby cast. And all that comes from you, brother, and your awesome family. So please let everybody know where they can find you and the Colby cast. Well, I thank you, Dan, for those words. It means a lot to me uh, because, you know, it's my two boys and I, my two uh, early 20 boys and I, uh, just sort of chit-chatting and we put it out there for people to enjoy. So um, we can find the Colby cast on Twitter and Instagram at the Colby cast. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter also at crosschecked three, the number three. Uh, yeah. And you know, my two boys and I said that we just did a Ant-Man episode. We're trying to figure out how we're going to cover the last of us, the bad batch and the Mandalorian all through March, but we're going to figure out a way we're going to do it. Uh, we've been talking about the bad batch and uh, the last of us on sort of team up episodes over the last few weeks. And, and it's just a blast to sit there and get their early 20 something perspective on things uh, from my point of view. And I know a lot of people enjoy that aspect of it. So thank you for your kind words. And we always try to keep things fun and positive. Uh, and as my youngest Luke says, he he enjoys things that move the needle forward. Mm. So, and I enjoy when we sort of sit and and ruminate on things. I don't mind spending time with characters. So it's sort of a fun dynamic. And then Caleb, he just sits there and sort of says, you know, what's wrong with both of you? So it's, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. It's 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 all it's always a great listen. Uh, listen, speaking of great listens. I'm sure you've heard, if not, I was very fortunate to be a part of a, a small group of select other podcasts as we did a roundtable and I talked with Dave Floney, John Favreau, uh, Rick, uh, who's the director of this episode, uh, for Amigua, is that how you say his last mm -hmm. name, I believe? Um, and then uh, Katie Sackhoff as well. You can see the video on Coffee with Kenobi's YouTube channel of just my portion of those conversations and the full audio with all the other podcasts including Full of Sith and Sky Talkers and Fangirls Going Rogue and Father Son Podcasts. Um, I think that's everybody. Uh, it was just it's great to be a part of, and I hope that you will check it out and enjoy it. And please get your top five ready for not only this, but the newest episode of The Bad Batch. That episode is Metamorphosis. So we're going to have two top fives next week. Hmm. I'm going to be sure to drink lots of hot tea with lemon and get my voice properly lubricated so i can share both top fives with each and every one of you next tuesday night at seven o'clock p.m central standard time on behalf of myself colby and Corey, thank you so much everybody thanks for joining us for a cup of coffee and remember this is the podcast you're looking for this podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. Move along.